This is Savanting the Idiot. I'm Sensational Sense. And I'm Death Metal Douglas. Alright, so to give context to this whole thing, and as to who the hell we are, you're like, Sensational Sense? Death Metal Douglas? Who are these people? Anyway, just a couple of local South Florida musicians that have been doing this thing since <laughs> the good old days. Whatever the good old days are to you. And anybody else, anyway, you know what I'm talking about, the good old days. So, you know, our struggles in the South Florida music scene, not only that, a little bit of history as to who we are, where we come from, you know, as a unit and then as separate individuals, like we both have our individual musical history, but it did converge on a timeline, which would be uh, that of Radar O'Reilly. The, the Radar O'Reilly was already established as a local band in South Florida, which I had the privilege and the honor of joining as a drummer after um, they went through a few uh, predecessors of mine, I guess, as a drummer. But, uh, you know, the first, <laughs> I was telling uh, Doug the first audition, I, I, I thought, I figured I blew it. I, I figured, man, these guys got some talent. They, they you know, they're going somewhere. I'm, I'm with it. You know, I'm hip. I think I could fit in here. Or, uh, but on the other end, I was think, saying, I, I think I blew this audition. These guys are going to hate my guts and style and everything. But it turned out that, you know, they dug it, so then Radar O'Reilly went forth. So that's how we know each other from a South Florida band, the most infamous non-heard of band you, you are never going to hear of, Radar O'Reilly. So that's us. Death Metal Douglas was the bass guitar player and Sensational Sense on drums, Righteous Richard on lead vocals, and rhythm and lead guitar. So there's some context as to who we are. And what we're trying to do is just do that, what we would do it after to practice. I mean, you know, you get to practice. If you're a musician, you know how it is. You get to practice. If you're a serious musician and you're serious about your craft, you get there, you show up, you do the work, you do the practice, you know, and afterwards we would hang out, you know, we would practice at Ridenauer Studios back way back when. Now it's gone through a few manifestations, changed hands, gotten sold, but but the same uh the same brothers own Marquee Studio, that's a whole different story. But anyway, reel it back in, you know, that's where we would practice at Riding Hour Studios. But you know, religiously like fucking church. After practice, we would stay in the parking lot and we would just fucking ramble on, rant, rave, talk all kinds of bullshit. For an hour and then disperse and then on and on the cycle would repeat until eventually, you know, Radar O'Reilly was no more. But we had some good times. But this is our, this, now this is our um, podcast. So here we go. All right, let's get right into it. Let's see. All right, Doug. Well, what's, what's your, what was your musical environment like when you were coming up as a child being raised in the death metal Douglas's home? Um... It was strange because I didn't have anybody that was musical in my family at all. It was totally, uh, I the first instrument I started to play, I was born in 68, so I started to play saxophone in 1978. And that was back when uh, the instrument was like, it used to be real popular in the 50s. Yeah. And then it kind of like went away 
until like the seventies, you know, with Happy Days and Sha Na Na, it brought back yeah. that fifties thing. But even still, in mainstream music, there wasn't that much saxophone until like nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight. You had like uh, all the bands started like Billy Joel. Yeah, I they think, they for found instance. a way to make. To, to make to bring back the saxophone in a modernized way to where it was sounding cool for the I relevant mean, beyond music. beyond yeah. like the whole happy days American graffiti retro every decade is retro of the 20 years prior yeah if you know what I'm saying no exactly everybody like gives a nod back towards like uh, two generations back, you know, and they and they kind of style it. It's their best way of imitating. You remember you know. in the '90s that the '70s were really popular, so that's kind of how that was, you yeah. know. Well, so, anyways, in 1978, I started playing saxophone, the alto sax. I should have picked a tenor sax. That's the one that you see most of the people playing. Yeah. Um, the guy the that did popular. Young Americans for David Bowie, he played an alto sax, but. Okay. Uh, there wasn't most of it was tenor sax like men at work and that's the thing the early 80s with new wave there was men at work there was in excess all yeah, these bands a lot of good like, bands yeah a lot were Great using bands. the saxophone yeah. so i was like you know the english beat the specials all that ska stuff i mean the saxophone was like a big instrument between yeah. 78 all the way up to 82 now by the time 1983 was rolling around it just freaking disappeared i mean bad to the bone with george thorogood huh. that was 82 but he was still using it, yeah. but everybody else kind of like, you know, you had R.E.M. coming in, you had uh, Big Country, U2, all guitar but rock But it's funny because the, the sax made sense in the context of, of that genre, those genres of music at the time. But even, you know? but even like the regular mainstream stuff, you know, I mean, the saxophone was, and it wasn't like retro 50s music, yeah. it was just the saxophone was like a popular instrument, I mean. So did you did you have like formal lessons or how did you yeah, come about? Yeah, I started off with lessons. I had, okay. uh, I had a teacher, I remember I drew this, uh, this Easter card for him with all these rabbits playing instruments and stuff. There's a rabbit playing a bass guitar and a rabbit playing a sax. It was pretty right. cool. Cool. I gave, but anyways, yeah, he taught me lessons for about, I don't know. I don't know how long it was. It might've been six months. And then I started playing in like jazz bands, not jazz bands, but like, you know, they had band in school, you know, they had uh, in middle school, they had just, I don't know. I guess it was just band class or whatever. And, um, but I never really played in a band. I mean, there was in high school there was a there was a jazz band that I played in, uh -huh. and we did a couple live performances. So I guess you could say that was my first live performances was through well, that band in high school. You said or oh yeah in high but, school, but it wasn't the high school band. It was just a band. It was, no, it was it was high school jazz band. Okay, class. so it was high school. Jazz yeah, band. Okay. and I remember this girl so, played this tenor sax. She was ten times better than me. I was just. Like losing my interest, we would. But you were actually picking up on uh, music theory then. You were actually learning how to. Well, yeah, read I had the theory yeah. beginning in '78 because I yeah. had to read music to play yeah, the cool. instrument. You know, that's what the lessons were. Yeah, I say that because I, I faked my way through through band. Like when I was in marching band and 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 jazz band and and in junior high and in high school, I went to junior high. You know, some people say middle school or whatever, but mine was like you six. You could sort of sight read, but yeah. you weren't like a virtuoso yeah, sight well, reader. Shit, my, my, my sight reading was shit because I could tell, yeah, I know what a whole note gets four beats or whatever. But my my thing was I would just listen to how how they would play. It. And just like that movie, there was this movie where Drumline, and he couldn't read the fucking music but he would just listen and as soon as he whatever he heard he could play right away that that's, was phil collins he just did that's kind of what that's what i did intuition i faked it all the way through 
marching band and, and jazz band and all that. And I never you don't really, have to I know regret notes that. And stuff, but I, if I if I could go back, I would have paid attention. It was just that I had fucking ADHD or whatever. I just had the attention span of an I act. think I had that too. I just wanted to bang on a guitar. That was yeah. it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Rock and roll, you know? So by 83, there was like no saxophones except for maybe a couple bands. Like in excess, they kept their sax. Mm -hmm. And that was right when they started getting big anyways. But like everything else was just guitar rock, you know, U2 and, and all the metal stuff I listened to, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, there wasn't no damn saxophone at all. So that's interesting that really you didn't come from a musical family. You just picked it up. You had an affinity no, to music. I just, uh, and, and, and the saxophone, I saw people on TV it. playing it and I just was just like, Dad, get me a saxophone, I yeah. guess. And, I would have to ask him, but his memory is even worse than mine about things, even when he was an adult. <laughs> so then how did you, how'd you make the transition from saxophone to, to, to the bass? I was started playing guitar and like, I want to say the... I got so you started playing guitar first before bass then? Well, yeah, well, long before mm -hmm. bass, yeah. Um, we had a, an, a classical guitar sitting around that nobody played. I but think we had a piano a, too and nobody played... Around the house? I think my sister took the piano lessons okay. for like maybe five minutes or something. I don't know. So but we you had just had these arbitrary instruments around the yeah, house. all like households from like Decorating the, the houses. Yeah, all House. households from like the, the 40s, 50s, and the 60s, maybe early 70s. Yeah, had a piano. They had a piano. It was yeah. just something like you had people coming over, yada, yeah. yada. But I, um, I started picking up the acoustic. It was a classical guitar with the nylon strings. So I started like... Try, you know, all of a sudden, I'm trying to do this Eddie Van Halen thing because yeah, that's what tap. everybody was doing. So I was doing tapping on the acoustic guitar, and I was playing little licks here and there. I never learned an entire song. I would do a riff here and a riff there. You know, yeah. it wasn't like, you know, I, I mean, I got familiar with the instrument, but it wasn't, you know. Yeah, but it wasn't like you were, were taking it so serious that you were actually learning a full cover from start to finish. Like, a lot of people do that, but... Yeah. I, I would learn stuff off of records later on. You just play stuff the that, entire song. that you were like drawn to. Like if you liked the intro to this song or that, you'd learn that and you just learn little segments. But the problem was is, is I don't wish I had like done this, but I didn't. And this is why I'm glad I didn't do it because I play bass now. Mm -hmm. But like uh, when I was transferring from the saxophone to guitar, I was playing both at the same time for about a year or two. Yeah. And uh, I stopped playing saxophone in like 84, 85. To where and, you finally yeah. decided you were done with yeah, the sax. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I actually had one jazz anymore. band where I sat in a corner and, and, and got an F on my report card because I was <laughs> done with the class. <laughs> I couldn't get re, uh, switched into another class. But so so with the uh, you know with the guitar, it was just like you know I started taking it a little more seriously, learning up songs, and then I bought an amp and an electric guitar, and like I was working part time at Publix. I bought a guitar amp and a, gu a guitar at the same time. And somebody in my high school sold me two effects pedals. It was a uh, flanger and a delay. So I'm already doing U2, like, yeah. you know, right in the door, you know. <laughs> yeah, so with the delay. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. With, with, with me, I mean, it's funny because I was actually kind of born into a musical family because my dad played the guitar and he used to serenade my mom when they were kids and stuff awesome. like that go see her, you know do the acoustic thing or whatever but her dad played the guitar as well and then my my dad's dad played the guitar so from both sides of the fa um, family you know and all my uncles everybody would try to do whatever their lo their local circuit was in philly and and then wherever they were from puerto rico and stuff like that but they, they all were they all played and i remember my dad he tried to 
turned me on to it when I was maybe about four before we left Philly. You know, he gave me this red guitar. It was like a kid's guitar. But I, I was still re- probably big on you, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but I remember I had no interest in trying to strub the damn thing. I just remember turning it upside down and start beating on it. And I guess my parents were thinking, well, we got a drummer here. And, you know, it's like break the break the uh, family tradition of learning the guitar. I didn't really have an interest in, in learning the guitar until I got a lot older and I could appreciate it. But my mom, she she had a thing for the drums when she was young because she had this picture of a drum set that she grew up with and she just fantasized that she would get drums. She just never did. And it's funny because for my first birthday, she baked a drum cake, you know, and two oh, that's licorice. Awesome. She used licorice across the top for drum for drumsticks. I'd be pulling the licorice the off and putting yeah. it inside. <laughs> so it's funny because it's like fruit she, cake. She, you know she had this thing for drums, and I guess it, it passed down to me subconsciously or whatever. Because when I got old enough, you know, I picked up on the instrument. And, and stuff you got like that. she got to kind of live vicariously exactly. drum wise. She was like, oh, she always my yeah. son's doing the drums, great. Exactly. So my parents were the opposite. They were like, oh god, this music thing. They thought the sax was cool because mm-hmm. it was like you know band class was legit but the whole rocking out on guitar thing they were just kind of like yeah that wasn't uh, they wanted me to uh, i was supposed to either buy a car or get guitar gear okay. and i wanted up doing the latter i probably yeah. should have gotten a car first yeah you know like a three or four hundred dollar car yeah, back then, then you'd have 80s. transportation you yeah. know to get yourself to and fro and well whatnot. that's why i wasn't in a good in, in a rock band until i was you know 21 or whatever i was mm-hmm. Almost out of the army, actually. By oh now. wow! So you you it, you were already twenty one by the time you got into a rock band. That that's interesting as well. Well, no, I I mean the first band I played live with yeah. as a bass player. Yeah, I the first band I was in was a three piece, and it was nineteen eighty nine. I had to have been like twenty or nineteen, something like that. And um, it was a three piece band. I played guitar and sang. There was a bass player and a drummer. The drummer sang a little bit, and uh, it was his, the drummer's place. And um, we played. The drummer, ha- the bass player, had to go back because he was in college. So we had to get another bass player. He was only fourteen, and his parents were a pain in the ass to deal with. And by that time, my drummer wanted to start a band with his friends, and I kind of, you know, we had a show booked. And then he bailed on me at the last minute. I had to go on stage with a guitar in my voice. So what was your first, What was that your first live performance? I'd done open mics probably as early as a year before that in 1988. But did you have a band or when you did the open well, mics? The first time I did open mics, I was playing bass actually. It was, I was still more a guitar player then. Mm-hmm. But it was this kid that like did guitar and vocals and we had a drummer who just kind of played along with us. Yeah. So I mean, and it sounded melodic. You could say it was a live, yeah. but we only did like two or three songs. It wasn't like we did a set or anything yeah. like that. So I don't know if that counts. No, well, I mean, it's it counts. Still in front of people in front and it's still guitar people, exactly. bass and drums. Yeah, because mine was mine was weird too. Because I, I well, I was my parents went, went in and out of different religions, so I was they were always taking me to church or whatever. But when in Sunday school they would do their their little Sunday school songs, and I'd be you know beating on Bongos. the table to it, you know, you know, on the table doing the, the thing, and they were like, you know what, maybe you should try to play the drums because they had a drum set, but no one ever played the drums. They would do the piano and sing and all that. Did you ever have a guitar have a player that would warm up with Stairway to Heaven at well, church? I saw no, that a lot. That that's was way, like a cliche. Uh, but that's way too, uh, it was already too <laughs> classic for that. I mean, it was still a the, an old-fashioned format where they have those gospel-type songs. Oh, yeah, so, of course. So it wasn't contemporary type. No, but what I would you do, know, when I was in church, yeah. we had that too, but like we would get there early and yeah. the guys would warm up with Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, around- well- 
they didn't know. have a guitar player per se. I don't remember. I remember them probably a, a, a piano, player, yeah, organs, exactly, organs and singing usually. and stuff like that. So they wanted me to play the drums, and I didn't. I didn't have at that time. I didn't have any training, so all I was on the snare, and I was basically doing you know that basic thing, but just on the snare in front of people but it was funny because they tried to convince me to go up and i didn't want to go up i had like stage fright uh-huh. and, and i remember tears fucking just drooling down my eyes as i'm fucking on stage and i almost felt like uh, you know frozen i could barely fucking move but that was my first l- little experience how being old were in front you of this the church man i must have been about eight seven years old oh so I you first... did get on in front of people earlier than yeah you. early i started playing a sax when i was like 10 yeah and I think I played live in front of people probably in 80 or 81 because we had a trio. And this guy was in my high school later on, Chad Call. He's a red-haired kid. He was cool as shit. He always wore sunglasses. You know, that, yeah. the future's so bright. I got yeah, to wear, wear shades. shades. <laughs> <laughs> but he would like, uh, he, had, he had the red hair. He was real pale but Shades he was were always wearing in sunglasses even in, high, in middle school i, I can't even remember but you I've remember seen him twice with his eyeballs that out. was a thing in the 80s everybody that you know wanted to have shades and they sunglasses always had, yeah. at night and during exactly. the day too <laughs> yeah I, I remember that but he was time. like the main uh the guy doing that yeah. and i remember like i think the first time i played in front of people it was with him he was playing alto sax i think also or tenor sax i'm not sure i can't remember he played both of them i think and then another guy played the big baritone sax it was a big dude that was like the size of us now in middle school he had curly hair <laughs> like a, a grown-ass man his name was in, larry in or something already, like yeah. that but he was like playing this giant sa- a giant guy with a giant baritone yeah. saxophone and we did competitions we won a couple competitions doing that so that was live in front of people but there was no drums and bass it was just a cor- yeah it was a th- it was just three guys Guys playing saxophones cool you know just like together that was pretty cool so would you say is there a band or a song uh that in particularly that influenced you that when you heard it you know it moved you so much that you would you decided hey this is what i want to do i want to be in a rock band and i want to i, I think I with the saxophone do that. it was just seeing uh Sha Na Na on TV. That was the first album I bought. That's another thing. The first album I bought was in 1979. It was two records set. Sha Na Na live. Bowser. Yeah, you caught a little bit of that TV yeah. show probably when you were a little kid. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, I was born in 68. Yeah, there's not a whole yeah. bunch. I was born in 74, so it's not a whole bunch, you know. But you saw, you, you noticed but, yeah, it with of the course. Because the, the, the they're still showing the happy guy days. Going, da, 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 exactly. Yeah. They're still <laughs> showing happy days on TV when I was a kid, you know. It's funny because they played Woodstock and Bowser was not even the band yet. He didn't yeah. co- come into the band until like 72 or 71. But they were on Woodstock stage. But the crowd loved it, even though they were all hippies. And that mm-hmm. was what they were into at that point. Yeah. They grew up with that style of music yeah. when they're a little kid. So they're all the like, kind of, yeah. yeah they, they didn't get booed or anything. They got yeah. a good, they, they played Woodstock. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Some bands that played Woodstock didn't get as much, you know, like Creedence Creed, Clearwater Revival was really popular band, but they weren't really popular for playing Woodstock. But I know what you mean. It's like, there's, of course, you think of Woodstock first 
thing you think of is Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Every you know that's so that's what everybody thinks of. And he and played in front of the of, smallest amount yeah. of people. And I mean, there was only about a tenth of a size. Of the uh, he didn't even play in front of more than like fifty thousand people. That ha- they had three hundred thousand people at that festival. Yeah, I was reading about that, and the reason why he set his guitar on fire was because he figured the Who was going to be. Oh, that was the uh, uh, Monterey Pop in '67. Was it okay? Because yeah. because uh, I remember him saying that you know that's he what was got like, him popular. how am I going to compete with the Who? The Who comes out here and they you know smash exactly, and they like how what the fuck am I? He was going do? on before the Who, yeah, and he was trying to do something that would make him yeah memorable. that wasn't Woodstock then huh no that was Monterey Pop oh, Festival in 67 so, okay so was two years corrected. earlier and All here's right. the irony about the Monterey Pop thing it sounds better than Woodstock and okay. recording technology was a lot better in 69 than it was in 67 yeah, listen to like the albums that came uh-huh. out in 67 versus 69 like the drum sounds well then like it was the better. engineers then too yeah you know it's and just for whoever's doing the recording setup. Well, I think with in 1967 they started introducing monitors on the stage for PA's and stuff. Yeah, and that made a difference for live recordings and performers. Yeah, that's if you're on stage a- without monitors, you can't hear the other guys playing. I mean, sh- no, of course damn, you feel lost. And yeah. we've done that before, where oh, we yeah. go on stage and you feel like you're you're hoping that everything is gelling, but you're not entirely sure. You know, without we had a monitors show like that before yeah. Radar Riley. We had a um, a different when Jeremiah was playing with drums. We went into a club where the sound guy didn't want to mix us right, and uh, I couldn't hear nothing but drums and vocals. Rich wanted to turn his amp up, and the guy's like, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna mic the amp instead." And so and Rich is so we start turning yeah. our amps up while while the guy is drinking beer in the back and yeah. he starts yelling at us. Typical though. But then back to what we were saying to start with, um, I guess you know you were doing the drums. In the um, when you said you were like five or six or something like well, that, in I the was church? seven. I was seven, seven when I yeah. first started uh, doing the drums in church and all that. But I was curious if there was like a particular moment that got you into to, to wanting to play rock. Like with me, uh, uh, I was into hip hop when I was a kid because that you know I was grow- I was growing up down in the homestead next to Florida City so it was a lot of more urban type you know everybody was break dancing so it was it was kind I, of yeah, a hip hop yeah. culture that I was growing into uh growing up in so if you liked rock you were an outsider you know right away yeah. so um uh, it wasn't it was just that I was plugging into whatever was going on so people were t- or, or were passing around like tapes of two live crew I'm a, I'm a little kid listening to shit that <laughs> two live that crew dem- Mementing my little child that mind. Guy, that you guy know? writes for the New Times, Miami New yeah. Times, like every twice a month or something. Okay. Luke Skywalker, yeah. Yeah. And, His and, new and he, got was su- good. he got sued for using Luke Skywalker, oh, yeah. too. And oh, yeah, he had to I go with that. Uncle Luke. But that, but how I, uh, it was my friend that turned me on to Guns N' Roses. And how he did it was he was like, uh, you got to hear the bass in this song, man. They got some serious dropping drums. So the so he plays, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Paradise City. Oh, Paradise Where it goes, City. starts out, doom. So I'm like listening to this and thinking, okay, where's this going? But that was like the first time I actually started to listen to a rock band. Other than that, it was all, you know, I I wasn't listening to get cars, you know, guitar rock music per se. I was totally into whatever was considered hip hop and mainstream and a little bit underground. Like I said, like, uh, uh, Stuff like that, Sir Mix a lot and and all that weird stuff. But that's what I got. Guns N' Roses first rock band. That same time that I got period, into. I was in the army, 
And when Guns N' Roses' album first dropped, it wasn't like a huge hit. All the punk rockers were into it. Not even Uh, the metal guys. Just the punks were into it. It was weird. Because... You know, they had a tiny drum kit. Metal bands had yeah. the giant drum kit the size of this freaking And he's room. minimized. He's got two toms. They were punk rock of, guys yeah. with, like, big hair. That's what they were, mm-hmm. like... That's why all the punkers were into them yeah. before anybody else. But um, And they had I a would, raw sound. It was, exactly. They didn't sound over-processed. The drums, the drums were over-processed, but the rest yeah. of it was pretty raw. But everything else was raw compared to what was going on at the time. Everything Musically, yes. So cookie-cutter and sterile and, 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 and this formula and they, that everybody... And, and, the, and they were bass player was wearing CBGB shirts. Yeah. That's punk rock. I mean, yeah. back then anyways. Yeah. So that's our first segment at our first attempt at a podcast. The reason why I say segment is because we actually put down and we said we're not gonna go over 25 minutes and i was supposed to set up a clock and i didn't i fucked up on that and we ended up talking for like fucking two hours so the whole point is now we got to cut it up in sections so that's segment one and podcast that's savanting the idiot first podcast